Hi, this is Walter Montero, and you're listening to this week's edition of the Real Estate and Mortgage Show. Hey, how you doing guys? Good evening. How are things going? Hope you had a good weekend. We had uh, some great weather, and uh, we uh, certainly enjoyed it. I hope you guys did too. Anyway, just want to give it a couple of minutes here before we uh, get on with the topic at hand. We're going to be talking about uh, what happens after an offer gets accepted. So we'll be um, talking about that as soon as we get a couple people on. Anyway, I um, hope you guys are doing well. I came across a document actually earlier today from a friend of mine. He actually passed away quite a few years ago. His name was Ed Doucette. I don't know if any of you guys knew him. He was a real estate agent down in Brantford and he was quite easily the nicest person you would ever meet. Not to mention he was probably the nicest real estate agent you'd ever meet, but as a person, he was just wild. He was a great guy. He was he always went out of his way to make people feel good. Anyway, uh, he wrote up a document just before he passed away. It's called Being the Best You Can Be, and these ideas will put joy in your life and all the people you meet. So it's kind of nice, some nice stuff in here just to give you an idea of what kind of person he was. This is just kind of advice that he was giving, you know, sort of on his deathbed, so to speak. And one of the things he, he mentioned in here was with regards to, to kids, for example. He loved children. He said that always compliment kids, no matter what they look like. Tell them that they're beautiful. Tell them how lucky they are and tell their parents that their kids are going to have a great life. Here's something else. I know he did this. In fact, I know this for a fact because he, he was a regular practicer of this. Buy a dozen carnations every week and give one to each of the first 12 people that you meet. Nice guy, you know. One of the things he had in here for advice to real estate agents that I thought was kind of neat. And I'll give that to you. Do not put other agents down. If you see an error in their paperwork, just correct it discreetly. What a nice guy, eh? Anyway, all kinds of tidbits in here brought back a lot of memories. It was a little bit bittersweet. It was quite nice to see, but I certainly miss him. Anyway, so I want to talk to you a little bit about what happens after an offer gets accepted. This is often a question that comes up when we have a listing. Some people call about it. And it has an offer, they want to either make another offer or, you know, tell the seller we'll offer more or, you know, they're trying to find a way to get into the deal. So I want to tell you, there's, I want to tell you what happens when an offer actually gets accepted. Basically in residential real estate, first of all, there's all kinds of things that you can put into an offer, conditions and clauses and that sort of thing. The typical offer as of recently, okay, and that's changed a little bit. Most real estate transactions have been unconditional cash offers. Okay, so that means that the offers were submitted by the buyers without any conditions whatsoever. They were firm and binding agreements, and once the seller signed it, and it was acceptable to the seller, of course, then that meant that the house was in a pending sale period, okay? So that means that the property is sold to the person that has given the offer. Of course, the closing date is typically, you know, anywhere from two weeks to 90 days away. It just depends on what they agree upon, but that's when the deal actually closes, okay? So when a, when a deal is what we call firm, there's nothing that really can be done to that deal until that deal closes or collapses, okay? Most deals come together. There have been some deals that collapse, you know, for whatever reason, the buyer's chosen not to go ahead or you know, somebody's lost a job or something along those lines. But for the most part, deals do close, okay? So there's nothing you can do after an offer has been accepted firm and binding. There's nothing you can do to get in on that deal. If you are one of those sellers, you what you do want to make sure of is that um, you... Um, you get a good strong deposit because really that's the only thing that's holding 
the buyer to closing the deal. I mean, other than, of course, the promise that they've made on the offer, but the deposit is a big deal, okay? So once it's firm and binding, there's nothing you can do, the property's sold, and it's going to close when it closes, okay? If the offer is conditional, they're typically conditional on a few things. They could be conditional on financing, they could be conditional on the sale of a property, or they could have a combination of conditions. The typical conditions that we see in residential transactions are conditional on financing, conditional on home inspection, conditional in obtaining insurance, okay, and conditional on the sale of property. So let me just give you a little bit of a breakdown on those conditions and how they work. If you're conditional on financing and inspection, okay, those conditions typically run somewhere between five and seven days, okay? And if you accept one of those offers, you are still free to accept another offer, but it needs to be conditional upon you being released from the first offer, okay? So that means that the seller that or the buyer that made the deal with you, that made the offer with you and you accepted it, they have your property locked, so to speak, for five to seven days, however the time period happens to be to fulfill those conditions. That's when they're gonna to go to the bank and solidify their financing. That's when they're gonna hire a home inspector to go through your property and to make sure that they, you know, there isn't any surprises. And, um, and then once they feel satisfied or once they're able to satisfy those conditions, then they're gonna give you a document called a notice of fulfillment of condition, waving off or addressing those conditions that they've been satisfied. And now that you are removing those conditions and making it a firm and binding transaction. Okay. If they're not able to do that, they may do a couple things. They may just give you what's called a mutual release, which basically releases them from the transaction and allows you to offer the property for sale again. Okay. The deposit is returned back to them. All right. And uh, then you're free to market the property again. All right. So conditional financing and inspection are typical normal clauses that you see. Okay. Now, if you get a condition on insurance, Sometimes you see those from time to time. I'd say you see them around here in about 10% of the deals. But sometimes they have to be in included, especially for a couple things. Number one, if the home was built, you know, pre, I guess, in the 20s and 30s or, you know, in and around that era, you're going to run into knob and tube wiring. And the buyer needs to make sure that they are able to get insurance for the property. Because if you can't insure a property, you can't mortgage a property. So if you can't mortgage it, you can't buy it. Unless, of course, they're cash buyers. But that's typically not the case. The other thing is, is if the property is built in the 70s, a lot of those homes were built with aluminum wiring. And a lot of the insurance companies want to see an ESA certificate. So an ESA inspection on the property before they go ahead and insure the property. So that's typically when you're going to see a conditional on insurance clause. All right. Now, all these conditions, like I said, the seller is free to accept other offers afterwards or even during that period, but it needs to be conditional upon the seller being released from the first offer, Okay, which is typically the time limit of the condition. If you're conditional on the sale of a property, so in other words, the buyer wants to buy your home, but they have to make it conditional on them being able to sell their home, they put in a conditional on sale of property. Those conditions typically run a little longer. They're usually anywhere from two weeks to two months. Two months is a little long and two weeks is a little short, but the conditions sort of vary depending on the situation. But because the condition is longer and it's very much a what if offer, the agents put in an additional clause or a seller is prudent to put in an additional clause called an escape clause. And an escape clause basically addresses 
the condition on sale of property, saying that the seller is obviously accepted that offer, but they are free to continue to market the property. And if they find another buyer is willing to make an offer and they're willing to accept, then they're going to accelerate that time period, which is the condition time, from the, you know, say the 30 days, for example, to 24 to 48 hours, okay? Because escape clauses are typically 24 to 48 hours. At that point, when somebody gets the notification, when the buyer gets a notification of this condition, then they have 24 to 48 hours, depending on how the agreement was written, to either wave off the condition and run the risk of owning two homes or just, you know, arranging alternate financing or, you know, praying that their home actually sells, okay? Or they release the property and they let the second buyer buy it. So if it's conditional on sale of a property, then you typically have the escape clause, which allows you to bump it and you can find out within 24 to 48 hours whether the house is yours or not. Now I can tell you that for the most part, sellers are not crazy about accepting those kinds of offers because they know that activity does slow down when an offer like that is accepted. If all things being equal, if the neighbor's house is identical and they're, they're for sale at the same time, then you have the conditional offer. If a buyer has his druthers, he would choose the house without a conditional offer than the one with. So anyway, that in a nutshell is what's going on in terms of what happens after an offer is accepted. If you have any questions, by all means, I'm more than willing to answer them. Anyway, you guys have a great night and we'll talk to you later. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of the Real Estate Mortgage Show. If you have any real estate questions, please direct them to me at 519-624-9222 or walter at MaximumResults.ca or you can find me online at www.CambridgeHouses.com. If your interests are in mortgages, please feel free to call 519-624-9222 or email Karen at Karen at MaximumResults.ca or you can find her online at www.m as in Mary, r as in Roger, financial.ca. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a great week.